Thank you for tuning in online today. We're thrilled to be broadcasting live. Despite these uncertain times, Vertical Church is still actively pursuing ministry. Though it may look a little bit different than before, you can rest assured that we are active and in some ways even more so than before. Be sure to be plugged into all of our social media accounts as well as our website where you can expect daily content and updates. Exciting things are coming up and we are using our social media platforms more than ever before. This Wednesday night at 8 p.m., we're kicking off our Vertical Church Parenting class. Pastor Brian and Heather Treadway are going to be joined by their kids and they're going to be broadcasting live via Facebook and YouTube to talk about vertical parenting. We are still continuing our men's breakfast, our women's Bible study, our lift community groups, our student ministry, and our children's ministry all online. Please know that your giving is so important. It helps us to continue to spread the good news to a community that so desperately needs it right now and enables us to stay connected as a vertical church community as well. There are organizations that we support that are still open and are dependent upon our giving. Therefore, it is important that we continue to give out of a generous and obedient heart. Even though our campus is closed right now, there are still ways you can continue to financially contribute to the ministry of Vertical Church. You can mail your tithes, gifts, and offerings to 3333 Ovilla Road. You can log on to our website under the Giving tab and give via PayPal. Or our increasingly popular method, text to give where you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321. If you have any questions, you can feel free to contact us via social media, email, or by phone. Thank you so much for continued and faithful support of Vertical Church. Hey, Vertical Church. Man, it's so good to be with you in your homes this morning. I wish we could all be here together, but we are all together in a different way today, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that we have the technology and the talent in our church to make an event like this happen, where we still get to be encouraged, we still get to worship together, still get to hear God's word together and grow. And man, what a week this has been. I know all of us have been changed, I think, forever by the events of these past weeks, but especially this past week, as we have discovered some things we hadn't before, the importance of the term social distancing, brand new phrase for us, and we've all learned very well what that means and are still doing our best to try to figure out how to live that way for just a little while. We've also learned what Americans value most when they go to the store, meat and toilet paper. So I don't know why exactly that is, but it is, and we're all learning to deal with that. We've learned some new rhythms for living at home, working from home, educating from home, and we have learned the importance of family. It's in times like this when there's a little bit of crisis and tension and upheaval that we draw back to the things that are most important. The things we go back to are the things that... um, We talked about as a church that our first things first for us, how fascinating that in God's timing, he would have given us that series to prepare us for this day so that we might practice what we preached, so we might live what we learned first things first. Another thing we are learning is that as a church, we are not defined by a piece of property. So here we are today in some over 120 accounts watching this morning. That means there's a lot of folks, a whole lot more than 120, because some of you are homes of two, three, five. Some of you are larger groups. Some of you are across the country. Some of you are watching. And man, there's a large group of people out there. So church is still happening. 
We have found ways to connect with each other all week long in other ways than we normally would have. And we are still caring for one another. We are being what God has called us to be, the church. We are the place of hope. We are the source of light and truth in our country today. If you're like me, though, there's been some up and down moments. There's been some moments where you were encouraged. There's been maybe more moments where you ask, what in the world is going on? And how do I process all of this? And where is hope in this? Where do we go from here? How do I apply my faith into this situation? What is God doing in all of this? And those are great questions. The Bible, I believe, gives us hope in times like this. And as we learn more about the way God works, even as we've learned in our, steer, our series about story, we know that God has a pattern in which he works. It's, it's in the stories that we have told and heard for generations, but God has also woven story into the very fiber of creation. You and I know well the seasons. We're in the season now that's supposed to be spring, and it feels a little bit like that, maybe not as much as we'd like for it to this morning. But as we understand the seasons, we see story. We see God in the pattern in which he works. Spring is a season of new life, new hope, new growth. The summer, the time of warmth and excitement, celebration, life, and then the fall, the time for harvest, time for gathering, the time for remembering, and then the winter season, the time where the days are shorter, it's colder, it's darker, and it's the time of death. The leaves fall, the trees are barren, but that is not the end. Winter is only preparation for spring. You see, God works in seasons, in story, and in cycles. When you understand seasons and cycles, then you can put some sense to what's happening. You can get some vertical clarity to the horizontal chaos. And when we understand that, then we can have some hope. So this morning, I want you to turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43. It's going to be near the center of your Bible. If you've got a Bible app, you'll know how to find Isaiah chapter 43. Just a little bit of context here to help us have a footing for where we're going today. It's a time when the people of God are struggling. They're in a bad spot. They are in a time of captivity. They are in a time of being away from freedom. They're in a time of oppression. They're in a time of wondering what in the world is going on. They're not able to be at a place of joy and peace and prosperity for sure. And they're asking the question, what? Where's our hope? Where do we go from here? For them, it was winter. It was a season in their lives where they wondered, what is next? All we see is barrenness, darkness, coldness, loss. God, where? Where are you? And what is next? Into that, we have God speaking through Isaiah, part of a package that really begins in chapter 40. We get to chapter 43 and begin in verse 16. 
And we find in just a few verses here some real insight for us as we think about the season we're in, the season that's coming, and what God is doing through the seasons and through the years. Verse 16 says this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. In other words, I want you to understand who's speaking. God says, it is I, the Lord. I have something to say to you. I am the one who you know from your past, you know from your heritage, from who you are as God's people. You know I am the one who has delivered you. I am the one who made a way in the seas, referring back to the time when Moses led the people out of Egypt and to the promised land or toward the promised land, and they came up against the Red Sea with Pharaoh breathing down on them. They're looking for a place to go, and they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do next. They are stuck. They're caught. And in that moment, God makes a way in the sea. He makes a path through the mighty waters, through what looked like demise, through what looked like the end, through what looked like terror, what was their fear, what was their angst in the midst of all that, God opened the way and did something brand new. And he says, this is the one who's speaking to you today. This is the Lord who is speaking to you. He goes on in verse 17, he says, the same Lord, the same God, is the one who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished and they are quenched like a wick. Again, a reference back to that day, to that time when the children of Israel were being pursued by Pharaoh and his armies. And they come up against the Red Sea and they see in front of them, everything they see is impossibility. No way out, no way forward. They look behind them and all they see is Pharaoh's mechanized, weaponized, strategized army coming after them. And they are in a tough spot. And in that moment, they cry out to God and God does something. In this verse, it says that God is the one who took the chariot that pursued them, took the horse that equipped them, took the army and the power, and he extinguished them all. Like at the end of the night when you've got a candle that's been burning for a while and you walk up and just with the most gentle breath, just blow and extinguish that flame. He says, this is what God did to that massive, weaponized, mechanized army that pursued them. And he says, this is the God who speaks to you. So know, know who's talking to you. And boy, what a day for us to look back at what we know has been done for us in Christ, what has been accomplished for us through the cross, how God has delivered us time and time again up until this day. We look back at all of that. We lean on that. We remember that. We remember the same God who delivered them speaks to us today. Now, here's what's fascinating is when you get to verse 18, what God says next. He says this, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. And you think, is there a typo there? There's got to be something wrong with this. Why does it say not? 
It should be, do remember the former things. But God is very specific. He says, remember those things, but look, do not trust in them as the way that I worked then, that I'll work now, or I'll work in the future. Do not remember the former things nor the things of old. It's easy for you and I to get caught up in the the how God did it before. But if you get caught up in the how he did it before, you'll miss out on the fact that he is the one who did it. Because you'll get caught up in expecting him to do it in the same way he did before when he wants to do something brand new. He doesn't do the same thing in the fall that he does in the spring. He doesn't do the same thing that he does in the summer that he does in the winter. And he doesn't do the same thing this year that he did last year or a decade ago or a century ago. God is a God who is actively at work in the now. So don't get caught up in the how, get caught up in the who. He's very specific. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. God works in seasons. Don't get caught up in the method. Remember the message. Boy, it happens that way sometimes for us. We have an experience that happens maybe when we were younger, maybe at a church camp, maybe at a certain time in our life. We remember the how. We remember the way God worked. We remember the music, the format, the message, the location, And we want to duplicate all of those things in hopes of recreating that moment. And God says, I'm not tied to methods or hows as much as I am now and you. And I will do what I choose to do in each season, in each cycle, in each way that I choose to. So the passage goes on in verse 19, and God now gives us this promise of hope. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? God says, I don't want you to just look back and remember what I did as much as the fact that I did it. I'm going to do something brand new now, and it's going to spring up. It's going to come up like a seedling in the spring. It's going to come up brand new in a way you haven't seen before. It's going to look different than what you've known. So don't get caught up in the fact that today doesn't look like yesterday, or yesterday doesn't look like today, or the way we did it then is different than the way we do it now. It's okay. God is a God who does new things, and he calls his people in that day as he calls us in this day. He says, look, that's what behold means, look. I am going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. Then he, he puts in a question. Shall you not know it? In other words, are you going to see it? Are you going to recognize it? Are you going to have eyes that will be alert to what I'm doing? Because if you're looking for it to happen like it did before, you're going to miss it. If you expect it to be like it happened the last time, you're going to miss it. As great as the works of God in the past, I believe they are nothing compared to the works he's going to do in the future. And what he wants to do in your life today 
is greater than anything that he has done in your life up to this moment. You might look back at some pretty amazing things that he's done. Some ways he's provided for you, some ways he has showed up, some way he has encouraged you, some things he has taught you. But our God is alive. Our Lord is alive. The head of the church is alive. And if he is alive and active, we are to be alive and active with him, doing the new thing. So will you see it? Those who do, those who are alert to the new thing, they're going to be filled with passion and excitement about a day like this. They're going to know that this may look like wintertime, but wintertime is only set up for springtime. What's going on now is only a preparation for what's about to happen next. Will you see it? Isaiah asks. Those who do are filled with hope. They see opportunity in the moment. They make a difference in the moment. They're not filled with despair or fear or anger or resentment. They don't hide away. They get active. They become passionate. They use what God's given them to carry his message of hope to others around them. And so God makes this promise in verse 19, the second half. He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, I know you are at a place of wilderness now where you can't see much. It's dry, it's barren, not hopeful. He says, I know how to take wilderness places and make roads in the middle of them. I know how to deliver people out of the wilderness when they don't see a way. He says, I even know how to make a river flow in a desert. Man can't do that, but God can do that. So he says, don't put your trust in the way it happened before. Because when the road shows up in the wilderness and the river shows up in the desert, if you're not looking for the new thing, you'll miss the new thing. When I look at today, I think, wow, what a day. The events of this last few weeks could be overwhelming if we allow them to be. Could fill us with despair if we allow them to. Could fill us with greater fear and angst. But I believe in the midst of what is happening, which by the way, it's not just a Texas thing. It's not just an American thing. This is a global thing that's happening today. God is doing something around the world. Take note. And as you watch, let's see what is the new thing that God is doing. Let us not be filled with despair, but excitement. Remember, winter is only set up for the spring. So as I have prayed and watched and listened as you have to the news and events going on around us, I come away at this point with three things that I see are new. Three new things that God is doing in the midst of a crisis. And this, these three have actually ignited in me greater clarity and vision in the midst of the chaos. So I want to talk to you just briefly this morning about three new things that God is doing. The first, I believe, is this. God is doing a new thing in the hearts of people. You know, up to this point, um, 
You could say you had faith. You could say you believed. You could say you have experienced what it means to be saved. But with the events going on in in the world today, you can't just say that anymore. If you really want to experience peace in your life, you have to truly have a relationship with the God who has made peace through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the only way to have real peace in this day. You see, God is doing something in hearts. He's causing people to have to really look inward, to look upward, and make sure that they have things right with God because everything horizontally is being shaken. Economy is being shaken. The wisdom of this world is being shaken. There's some uncertainty about income beyond that. Our hopes are being shaken. And when that happens, you turn to the things that you know are secure. You you grasp them. You hold on to them. And this is what's happening in hearts. Believers are turning back to the things that are first things first. Believers are, are pulling back into the scripture and seeing some new hope. Believers are praying more than they ever have before. Believers are crying out in different ways than they have before. Believers are having some moments of worship in their week that's changing them in ways they haven't been changed before. And even just one week into this situation, believers are saying, I'm different than I was before. That's because God's doing something in hearts today. And those that are uncertain have moved to a place of getting certainty. They've begun to make some things right. They've begun to pursue God. And our prayer is for those that are still not certain that in the midst of the shaking, that this would cause them to cry out to the one who is secure, who is stable, who is the foundation who can help you build your life upon a sure foundation in the midst of all the sinking sand. And the only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. So it's in this time that hearts are being changed and new things are happening. And I love that. What a great thing for hearts to be brought alive. For a dad to say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to have to lead my family for a a wife and a husband to come together to communicate in ways they haven't before, for entire families to spend time together in ways they haven't before, for believers to own their faith in ways they haven't before. God is doing a new thing for people to sacrifice like they haven't before, for people to reach out and connect and care for others in ways they haven't before. God is doing a new things in hearts, and this is the new season. This is a new time, and I celebrate that kind of thing. It's a new season. God's doing a new thing in hearts. But there's a second place that I believe God is making all things new. God is doing a new thing in homes. Yeah, in our homes. Here you are watching from your home this morning, most likely. Who would have thought that we would all be meeting together and it would be from our homes? And it would be not just because we chose to, but because the governments of this world would say, everybody go back to your homes. Stay inside your homes. And at first, we might have thought, oh, man, that's going to be rough. That's a bummer. 
How like God to take a crisis and say, hey, everybody, it's first things first week. We're all going to do this. Everybody go back to your home. And all of a sudden, the home has become the foundational element of culture around the world. You talk about first things first. You can talk about it, but God puts it all into place and he even uses the governments of this world to help bring it about. So all of a sudden, the home has become the place where we find security. Mm, How about that? The home has become the place where we feel safe. The home has become the place where we prepare meals and eat together. Ha! The home has become the place where we are educating and training our children. How fascinating. The home has become the place where we are worshiping, seeking God, praying, and listening to God's word. That's what we're doing right now. The home has become the place where we're now having spiritual conversations. The home has become the place where we make up our own entertainment. We find ways to laugh. We find ways to connect, to interact with one another. The home has become the place where we've gotten creative about some things. The home has become the place where we work on relationships. The home where family learns to trust each other. The home where we trust and we're learning to process what's happening with our faith. Imagine that. Imagine that we are getting to experience the very thing that God commanded in the Old Testament. I want you to listen to this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. God is laying out for his people what life is to look like for them. They're to be different than the world around them. They're to follow his commands and his ways. And here is what God establishes early, early in the process. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The home was designed by God to be the core of the culture for people of faith. It was to be from there that they built people, children, into people of faith. It was here that faith was passed on. It was here that people were trained. It was here that people were taught. There was no church house in the day. There was the house house. And this is where it all happened. So I'm loving the fact that through this crisis, the home is becoming once again the place where life happens, where love happens, grows, where faith is talked about, where trust is developed, and we are teaching and training our children. Wow, God is doing a new thing in homes. But thirdly, I'm encouraged because I believe God is doing a new thing in the church. When I first started getting word that there would be limitations on social gatherings. 
and some of the numbers were coming out as to what that would be. And I started thinking about vertical. And I started thinking about our interactions. Just to be honest, there was a part of me that was initially discouraged. I thought, oh boy, now what are we going to do? We we exist by getting together. How are we going to do that? But it wasn't long before God reminded me of who we are as his people and that we are not defined by a piece of property or four walls. We have a greater connection with one another and we have the ability today to communicate and connect beyond just being together in the same room. And so the message of hope has not been diminished in any way. The message of hope has actually become exponential. As I've been out on social media this week, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or any other platform, I am seeing believers communicating in a greater degree than they have before. I'm seeing that within our own church. I'm seeing people check up on one another, people follow up, people pray for, people connecting in ways they haven't before, even using social media, redeeming it for God's purposes. And for all that people would say about social media, me personally, I'm grateful for it today because it has become the avenue that we are using to communicate, keep up, train, encourage, and inspire hope in our culture. So when I see the new things that are being done today, I see globally, I'll say it again, globally, we are seeing the same me we've always seen. People need hope. People need peace. People need relief from the guilt and the shame and the angst in their heart. But this crisis has taken all of that to a new level. This crisis has elevated fear, panic, and anxiety to a whole new level. This crisis has brought about questions. Where is God? Who is God? What is happening now? What is going on? This crisis has brought about a need for people to be able to put their head on their pillow at night and know there's a sense of peace. This crisis has brought about a need for people to say, I'm not sure I know how to get along with all these people in my own house. I need some help. I need something to help me here. This crisis has brought about a dependency on one another for the very basic elements of life. And the church, of all of the elements that are on the planet today, stands to be the one with the message of hope for a world around us. Because we know the answers to the question. Where is God? We know the answer to that question. How do I find help from my fear in the midst of all this? We know the answer to that question. How do I deal with the the missing peace that's in my heart? We know the answer to this question. In fact, I believe this is our greatest day. This is our time. We have been made for this moment. This is not a time for us to be discouraged. This is a time for us to be passionate with the message of hope that we have as the church. We know how to help somebody find peace in their heart and in their mind when they put their head on their pillow at night. We have that message and we know that answer. We have been made for this moment. We, as the church, 
have been made to help fathers know how to lead their families. We know how to help a husband and a wife get along and experience unity and experience hope and true love for one another. We know how to practice the one another's. This is the day we were made for. Let us, let us be hopeful in this day. Let us be creative in this day. Let us be passionate in this day. This is our time. We're actually seeing a season change. We are seeing the next part of a story that God is writing. The chapter is about to turn to a new page and the response of the church in this day has the ability to help craft how the next chapter begins. This is our time. Impossibility, darkness, barrenness is only set up for a new season of life and growth. This is our time to be encouraged. So, when Pharaoh thought he had trapped God's people up against the Red Sea, he thought he had them locked down. He thought he was about to extinguish them. A man named Moses turned, cried out to God with faith, and God delivered him and his people. God made a way. When the Philistines thought they had really done a number on Israel and were about to just make an end to them through their giant named Goliath. One little boy named David had the faith to cry out to God and say, this is not our end. My God will make a way. And that little boy trusted God, picked up a stone, threw it, and he took down the giant because he saw that season and knew it was only preparation for a new season. When the self-righteous, hate-filled Pharisees wanted to bring an end to Jesus and his message, they had him arrested, falsely accused, beaten, crucified, put to death, put into a tomb. But the same God who created him, created him for a season of going through the winter, that it might prepare him for a new season of the spring. And the one who went into the tomb without a heartbeat came out of that tomb with a new heartbeat. He came alive because God works in seasons and cycles. And what came out was far greater than whatever went in because what came out was the resurrected Jesus who lived to sit at the right hand of the Father. When the governing powers after the resurrection tried to stop the small band of believers who had a message about the resurrection, when those governmental authorities wanted to bring an end to their message of hope and resurrection, they did all they could to hem them in. They did all they could to lock them down. They did all they could to secure them away. But when they had, the Holy Ghost came and filled those small band of believers. And the Holy Ghost filled them with a whole new spirit, a whole new word that was opening the door to a new day 
One season and chapter closed and opened the new season and a new chapter. And God worked about something even greater that day. God brought about a new work that was greater than hate, greater than the language barriers that they had at the time. And God brought about a new covenant. God only uses the winter as set up for the spring. So I'd love it if, uh, you know, a year from now, a couple of years from now, we look back and the world looks back and says, when the church in 2020 faced a global pandemic and it threatened their very existence because of how they had operated up to that point, when they faced it instead with faith, when those believers cried out to God and said, we will not be stopped during this time. We will not bring an end to ministry. We're just going to change how we do ministry. I'd love it if we look back on this time and we saw instead that we overcame with the spirit of faith. We overcame with the spirit of vision. We overcame with creativity because God had put a message in our hearts that could not be stopped and we became the message of hope to the world around us. God is doing new things. Behold, I do a new thing. Shall it not spring forth? The question is, will we see it? Church, be encouraged today. Be encouraged at what God is doing in your own life personally. Ask the question, God, what are you doing at this new season in my life? What new level of faith, what new level of direction are you going to unlock? What new season am I about to walk into? Ask that for your home. Dads, moms, students, kids. It's a great family discussion. What's going to be different about us in this new season? What is God preparing us for? What is about to be unlocked in this brand new chapter? And then church, what's going to happen for us? What new way will we find to be the church, to not lose what we've been called to, to not give up what we have been given, but instead to permeate a culture today with the message of hope in Jesus Christ. God has not left us. There is peace in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. We have a future in him. Would you bow your heads today with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, in this day and in this time, when all that we have trusted in and held to and fixed our eyes on in the past is being shaken. Today, we turn to you. We cry out and we grab a hold of the things that are secure and certain and cannot be shaken. And I pray you would help us to see hope in this new chapter, new season, that we would not see this day with despair but we actually see it with a sense of greater passion that it would drive us, change us, and walk us into the new thing that you are doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'm so excited that we could be together this morning. I don't know how long um, church meeting together like this will take place, but we are ready as Vertical Church to keep making this happen. And we have taken all of our ministries and transitioned them to online. So I hope you'll be a part of what happens on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram. They have become, along with texting and phone calls, they've become our new way to connect. Let's make the most of that. Let's be the church. Let's be a part of the new thing that God is doing. God bless. We'll see you next time.